Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast, a very special edition of the Travel Tales Podcast. This is a year-end wrap-up show to kind of cap off the uh, great year of travel that I've had and hopefully you've had in 2014. I've never done one of these before, but I wanted a way to uh, thank the people that are new to the show uh, for coming aboard and maybe uh, show them some things that maybe they missed over the past year, some great guests that I've had. On the show, and uh, for some people who've uh, longtime listeners, I apologize. Maybe you've heard all these clips before, but if not, maybe this will inspire you to dig a little deeper into the vault and download some older episodes because we had some great people here. What I'm going to play now are basically the teasers that I made for each episode. I made a little two minute video teaser for the episodes, and I stopped doing that because I realized they were very, shall we say, labor intensive. And for the payoff, there wasn't that big enough of a jump in listenership to warrant all the extra time it would take and to hunt down people for photos and things for the videos. So I don't have clips from the last few shows, but if you're a recent listener, you've heard those last few shows. So my apologies to uh, some people that maybe aren't uh, in this. I couldn't get to every single guest of the year, but nevertheless, it is a nice overview. Our website, TravelTalesPodcast.com, if you want to see all these guests that I play and see our past guests as well, go to the website and click on it and download the individual episodes. Or you can just go to iTunes, click on the uh, link to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and subscribe on one of those formats. And if you go to those formats, why not give us a good rating, will you please? That helps people find the show. It boosts our presence, and that's a cool thing. Also, you'll find links to all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all that stuff. Give us a like, give us a follow, and I would appreciate it. All right, we're going to start off with our first episode of the year. It's actually turned out to be one of our highest rated episodes in terms of downloads ever. It's with a woman named Julie Anderson, who left her cushy job as a PR executive to fight the good fight in saving shark populations around the world. And as a scuba diver, I can sympathize with her. Absolutely, I've seen their populations decimated over the years, and they are part of the ecosystem, and we need them. So she fights a, an uphill battle in saving a, an animal with a rough reputation, let's be honest. But uh, she's doing a great job. So here are some clips from my talk with Julie Anderson. I'm here with Julie Anderson, Shark Angel. A shark angel is pretty much what it sounds, and that is guardian angels to sharks. And the whole idea was to try and start campaigning in a positive way for sharks. And I met my first shark, and it was the most amazing experience, and I became obsessed with diving with sharks after that. And I looked, and within arm's length was a scalloped hammerhead shark, larger Uh-oh. than me, just looking at me right in the eye. When you tell people 73 million sharks are killed a year, they say, wow, I didn't know that, so what? And then most people turn around and they say, yeah, but the only good shark's a dead shark. Love them or hate them, we need them on the planet, but everybody hates them. So it's basically like I've taken on this really hard cause. I went to South Africa because I just felt like if I pushed myself out the door and went and did something a little bit bold, that I'd be committed to this lifestyle. If you're going to get bit by a shark, you're probably going to get bit by a reef shark. What else should I not do? Well, you should pay attention. Okay. Not (laughs) go down there with, like, chum in my pockets? Well, for sure, don't touch the bait. The U.S. is one of the largest shark finning nations in the world. So whilst the demand is not necessarily being created by us, we're certainly contributing to the issue. There's more money in it than weapons. There's as much money in it as illegal human trafficking. And it's the same infrastructure and it's the same people. It's really tough to fight, whether it's, you know, rhino horn or whether it's shark fin or now, you know, lemurs. And that's really the tough thing. And that's the tough thing that all of us face. It's a little bit harder to create, like, the cute, cuddly campaign around sharks than it is around whales. But for sure, the protection of whales has been successful. 
I've seen, uh, you know, a humpback whale uh, almost give birth. I mean, I've done some pretty amazing things. It's been pretty special, and to be able to make a career out of diving and saving so sharks you have has Julie been Anderson, a really cool shark thing. Angel, and I'm not going to talk in between every single clip that would take forever and get really annoying. So I am going to categorize certain clips and bunch them together. And this next one I'll call Travel Professionals. This is with Marianne Bean, who is the head honcho over at the Jet Set Extra website, who's become a pretty good friend, and uh, she was great to talk to. Also, Eric Rosen, who was a managing editor over at the Points Guy website, who has now since uh, gone freelance. He still writes for them on occasion, but writes for many other media outlets. And also Rachel Redwall, who's a TV producer and travel uh, guru, who has her own YouTube channel and some other things. So uh, it was a pleasure to meet all these people, and now I consider them friends. So here are my talks with Marianne Bean, Eric Rosen, and Rachel Redwall. I'm here with Marianne Bean from Jet Set Extra. It's all first-hand experience. So we have writers around the world who write for us, and they write stories as if they're talking to their best friend, telling them about the vacation that they took. The first thing I say to them is, hey, just so you know, we don't pay our writers. And they go, well, we don't care. We want to write for you anyway. We're not sending people every day on assignment. People are doing their own trips, and they're taking their own vacations, and they're excited to write about it. Taking a train across Canada. Yes. In the polar vortex, I think they're calling it now? It was minus 50 in some places. Minus 50? Like so even like Canadians skin. were like, hey, this is odd. This is crazy <laughs> Even cold. Canadians were like, what the fuck is <laughs> what, Why are you here? <laughs> The very first really big, cool trip that was like a dream come true for me was Kenya. Did you know that the Maasai women, if they divorce their husband, they get the house because they're the ones that built it? As opposed to here, where they get the house and they didn't even build it. That's right. Oh, great. <laughs> I want to see other parts of the world before I see all of Europe because yeah. I feel like Europe's so done. You know, <laughs> there's so much out there about Europe rushes me to the, to the hospital across the street. I had some allergic reaction to something I had touched, and then I rubbed my eye. Oh. And a spider or ants or something crawled up my pant legs and bit my legs. So I need to write an article about how to, <laughs> how to have a medical emergency on the road <laughs> in, in any country. <laughs> Just finding what people are interested in is really hard because we're not mind readers. So you got to try and try and try again. I think everywhere in the world is interesting. I don't have a desire to not travel somewhere. I think it gives me a better perspective on how to just deal with people in general. I'm talking to Eric Rosen from the Point Sky website. Let's talk about Eric Rosen, the man. <laughs> it was a cold, rainy night <laughs> when he was born. The sea was angry that day, my friend. <laughs> Uniqueness and authenticity are my watchwords. Uh, uniqueness in, in terms of like exclusivity, let's say. That's what I look for to share with my readers. You want to go places that not all of your friends have been to yet. I'm sort of like a travel slut. What can I say? <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go anywhere there's a bed. <laughs> you can't stay up nights worrying about your miles being useless. You also can't your miles. They're the one commodity that will not increase in value. It's like driving a car off a lot. Your point is not going to be worth more tomorrow than it is today. You're going to be able to rack those points up if you're smart about your credit and your spending habits and your travel habits. There are lots of things you can do to be conscious and aware of your point situation so that you'll still be able to burn the travel that you want to take. There are different kinds of points for different kinds of travel. Don't just earn delta miles and figure that's all you'll be able to do. You, you've got to diversify a little bit. A shower? Uh-huh. On the plane? <laughs> On the plane. <laughs> okay, now, wait a minute. Well? This is a community shower? This God, is wouldn't like... that be fun? No, it's not the Mile High Club. <laughs> it's a spa? No, the, he, well, they call it's it a bathhouse? They call There's it a bath the house? spa shower. So we, well, I don't know what airline that's on, but if you find out, let me know. I will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a different website. <laughs> yeah. There are so many fantastic places to go, things to do, and experience that, quite frankly, there's not enough time in the day to write about the crappy ones. Recognizing the awesome parts, but also putting in the hard work is at the heart of what we do. That's what's incredible to me, that I can literally go everywhere. It's so frustrating because I won't, but I'm going to try my best. <laughs> 
Rachel Redwall. So I shot on four shows in Alaska. Because once you're branded as being able to not die, yeah, and then not you complain. get yeah, then you get hired onto more Alaska shows. The population on the islands we were working on it was comprised entirely of bears. I mean, it's like black bears and then us. The people that I met in the particular region of Kenya where I was were a prime example of people who might not have had a lot of things, a lot of stuff. And they were also some of the most welcoming, kind, amazing people that I've ever met. Every meal would be Japanese if I could. Oh, really? And I didn't even realize that. I, even all I the weird too. stuff. Montevideo. She and I were almost mugged in broad daylight on like a very popular promenade. And we were chased down by a bunch of dudes. But there are places where I've traveled alone where I have to be hyper vigilant and I'm subject to the same kind of unwanted advances or physical contact. That's happened a fair amount. But in India, it happened regardless of the company that I kept. In China, it was just like I was a weird alien to them. I also think that the things that make us different are fascinating. I love exploring those things and sharing them with people and making them appealing and and letting people know that the world isn't super scary all the time. There's a lot out there, and you're a part of it, and that's cool. That's a good starting place. You don't have to know everything. Just be a part of it. And there you have it, some highlights with a few guests who are travel professionals on the show, and uh, they were great, and... If you haven't heard their full episodes, go back and check them out and download them and give them a listen. I got to say that the highlight travel-wise for me this year was my trip to Africa for three weeks in February. I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, which was a lifelong goal of mine. I went on a safari in the Serengeti before the hike, and afterwards I spent a few days in Zanzibar just to recover from the stress of the hike. And... I noticeably did not do a recording on the mountain, and there was varying reasons why I did not, Um, one of which is that I had to carry everything up there, and you pack very lightly, and bringing recording equipment and batteries along with all the cameras and uh, the hiking gear and everything else, a little tough to do, and uh, quite frankly, there are moments where I can turn off the media part of traveling, and I actually kind of like it. I like to be in the moment and not feel like I have to do homework when I'm doing something. I know maybe that flies in the face with a lot of travel journalism, but you know what? I don't want to be in that amazing place somewhere in the world and have my nose in a laptop or on my phone wanting to Instagram everything. I just don't do that. And uh, the opportunities when I was in Africa didn't really come up a lot to record with people. I'm sure if I pressed the situation, I might have, but uh, whether audio reasons, it was always too loud. It was always too late. It was always too crowded. It was always too something. But when I did get back, I did get a chance to interview Karen Jones, who's an Africa expert. And here are some clips from that interview. I'm here with Karen Jones from Anastasia's Africa. They sent me to Africa on this first trip, and it, it was magical. It was, it was fantastic. Probably that first day in Botswana it was probably the best day of my life. Why don't you climb up to the top of the Land Rover in case it starts to sink down? I mean, I'm a girl from New York City, okay? (laughs) This never happened in the taxi. This is just, you know, (laughs) to me, it was awesome. I did Kilimanjaro. That's amazing. It was hard. Do you send people off to do that? We do, we do. But all those years going... And booking trips, you never had a desire to do it? I haven't. Really? I haven't. I just, I know how hard it is. (laughs) That's why I, that's why I, I I just. I can see this border guard, he's starting to take his machine gun, like, off of his arm and starting to yell at my people. You know, being a wise guy and the border guard made him take the car apart bought a Coca-Cola for my son and handed it through the gate to my son who was in the secure area. And they saw him and they took my husband away. You know, that was scary. Why should I go to Africa? There's something about it that feels 
different and magical, and everybody I know who's ever been there says that. It's challenged me to question material possessions and what I really need to be happy in life. Even when I'm here, to know that I can imagine places like just the open Serengeti Plains or, or a quiet little spot in the Okavango Delta, and I can just bring those thoughts back if I'm sitting in the middle of traffic or I'm stressed out, and it just helps me balance myself. Talking Africa with Karen Jones. And if you heard our last episode, it was with Gretchen, the flight attendant, where I asked her all sorts of dumb questions that people always wanted to ask flight attendants. Well, earlier in the year, my friend Mike Dwyer, who is a private jet pilot, uh, was on the show, and I got to ask him every dumb question I've ever wanted to ask a pilot. And it was a lot of fun. So here's some clips of my talk with Mike Dwyer. So I'm here with Mike Dwyer. You were the first pilot we've had. You were one of those little uh, island hoppers. Those the little... TV show Wings? Yes, that was I you. used to fly those small airplanes in the Bahamas, <laughs> Florida Keys. It's an airline that removed window shades. A one particular airline. It's not a U.S. carrier. It's, uh, it's, it's Ryanair? Is it Ryanair? Yes, it is. <laughs> I, knew, I, did, I didn't I want to say it. was going to be Ryanair. <laughs> talking about putting in vending machines. So they wouldn't. <laughs> it's no joke. They were talking about putting coin-operated doors on the laboratory. Yeah. You know, anything you can to... And at that point, why do it? I had an engine literally explode on me on takeoff. So it was just dumping fuel into the, into the burner can, and it created a huge fireball out the back. Forty-something thousand feet, and for about two minutes, it was like being on a, on a bucking bronco. It was oh, horrendous. Universal language, yes. Of it's aviation. supposed to be English, and there are varying levels of ability of that <laughs> yeah. around the world. And then you get to India, and it's again you're trying to fight through the you know the language and the mm-hmm. heavy accent, and it's like know. calling customer service. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not even because they eventually they pick up. Uh, right. So I had a passenger pass away on a flight. Someone tapped me on the shoulder. I'm like, who is who is this? And he's like, there's a woman in the back. She doesn't look good. We pull the door closed and try to keep it as quiet as can. I mean, I've had it where you can hear the music thumping. It sounds like a like yeah. a nightclub behind them. It's just, <laughs> you know, people do what they do. It's that's their airplane. You know, I'm just there to right. You know, I'm a glorified limo driver in many cases. Traveled around the world and experienced, and it's something that people need to do at a younger age. And I think a lot of people have the mindset of, well, when I get older, I'll have enough money and do it. There's no guarantees on any of that. So save your pennies, do whatever you have to do. Go out and see the world now. Getting high with pilot Mike Dwyer. I had mentioned earlier about my trip to Thailand, thanks to Marianne Bean from Jet Set Extra. She sent me there to cover a story. I got to train with the Muay Thai boxers and went to sword fighting school. I saw the bridge on the River Kwai and spent a couple nights in Bangkok. So it was a great trip, and my travel companions from L.A. were a Muay Thai boxer from California named Bradley Dobler, a nice young man, and Berta Villalobos from Mexico City, who was a travel journalist. The audio on this is not so great because I recorded them on the flight back home from Thailand. So that sound you hear is plane noise. But I lucked out in getting two really friendly, great people to travel with for, uh, it was like nine days in Thailand. So it was a great trip. And here we are on the plane. Bradley Dobler. Do you call yourself a fighter? More of a just martial artist in general. You know, even at my dad's gym, we have over like 500 students and a good 90% of them do not even fight, which is crazy because in Thailand, if you uh, do Muay Thai, you're a fighter, man. Like, that's basically all there is to it. I mean, there was people there that didn't actually even do Muay Thai. Like me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you were up there too. The headmaster there, he pulled me aside after the class that we had, and he actually accepted me as a student, I guess. You know, I, wow. I didn't even ask. I thought that was pretty cool. I have done a little bit of um, Kabong, which is the Thai traditional sword fighting. You know, there's people that just do it for exercise. There's just people that just want to learn it, you know, for fun. So it's cool, man. It was really good. I can't wait to go back and and show everyone what I've learned. I would love to go back soon. I mean, if I could, I would go back in, like, the next couple weeks. With Berta Villalobos, do you feel like uh, you can be a professional fighter now? 
I feel like I can be a best reporter. <laughs> How safe is Mexico? I think that the most important thing is to really inform what's going on and where is it going on. So that you don't think that we were talking about that all Mexico has a problem. I see a lot of Americans in Cancun, Riviera Maya having a great time, and Puerto Vallarta. And all those touristic destinations are really safe destinations. So what we should really be doing is stop buying drugs. I'm not sure if that's the, the solution. No, no, I don't think so. So I should keep buying drugs? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, thank you. <laughs> I couldn't imagine myself doing something else because travel is what gives you what doesn't give you many times books or a conversation or something else. It's what it's the real life. <laughs> There we are talking about our adventures in Thailand. Bradley Dobler and Bertha Villalobos. Well, every year I always have a bunch of comedians on because those are my friends and I know a lot of them and a lot of comedians travel a whole lot. And they have interesting backstories. So among the comedians I had this year were Jonavi Goldstein, Jamie Kaler, Michelle Mahone, and Matt Knudsen. Enjoy. I'm speaking to Jonavi Goldstein. So Jonavi is actually another name for the Ganges River. What a great name, Jonavi Goldstein. It's yep. like I live in the ashram, but I can do your taxes. If need. Exactly. Hippie parents and were Hare Krishnas. We were more like a missionary family, but it was for Krishna, not for Christ. Actually, one of the things I do when I travel is I find the Hare Krishna temple ah, because they're vegetarian. Right. And a lot of times they have this thing about feeding the poor. So when I was traveling on a budget, it's a donation system. All the places I've ever been, the hardest place to be a vegetarian was actually New Orleans. Oh, yeah. And I got laid off and said, I'm giving up law, I'm giving up everything. And I went to Australia by myself. Well, I, I don't regret it, but I loved Australia so much that I actually got the Southern Cross tattooed on me when I was there. I don't consider it traveling, but right after college, I went and I lived on a sailboat, a 55-foot. You don't consider that traveling? I, Living know. on a sailboat? <laughs> So I decided I was just going to go to England for six months and go do comedy. I did not realize what a uh, masochistic sort of decision that would be. Mm. I actually had a lady yell out in the middle of my show that I should go back to America and kill myself. <laughs> well, I was in London for the riots, and, and that was pretty scary. Seems like everywhere is sort of unstable these days, but yeah. again, I've never, I've been to places and I've never felt unsafe. I mean, I hate to say it, but I used to be pretty apathetic. Coming back now, definitely a lot more aware. I, I can admit that I was very judgmental and one-sided about so many things and was very corporate. And then when I finally, I got laid off and I went traveling and I came back and I was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I have different perspectives. And Having your mind changed is the coolest thing I think I've gotten from traveling. I'm here with Jamie Kaler. You are a Navy man. I am. I was in the year after Top Gun came out. Like, there was uh, never danger in my entire five years in. So it was the safest time to ever be in the military. I had escorted tankers in the Persian Gulf. But that was before the Gulf War, and we never for a second thought we were in danger, ever. We go to Hawaii, to the Philippines, over to Thailand, up the coast. We went to Pakistan, Perth, Australia, Diego Garcia in the middle of the Indian Ocean. We came back, we went to Hong Kong. We had a puke board on the bridge. <laughs> and, like, people would call in, Jones just puked. Jones on the board. And it was only, like, by the end, there was only a handful of us left who had not thrown up. Uh, submarine, probably the scariest thing. You look at the gauge on the bridge and you'd be like, we're 600 feet underwater. 600 feet. This, I mean, nobody gets rescued from those things. If something happens, it just goes right down. He went off a boat in the Philippines and he came back with a wife of some crazy woman who's like, I love you, Lord. You know, and that's, that's a real story. And so these guys are hammered and they have to go bail them out of jail. And I'd kind of seen the world and I, it definitely made me miss America. I went to France and London and I felt like they hated me. And ugly Americans were everywhere. And I, I tried to be cool. Like, hey, I'm not one of those guys. I'm a cool guy American. And they were like, no, you're a dick. <laughs> I did a USO tour in Japan. And I, I really love the culture in Japan. I would love to go spend some time in the non-nuclear part of Japan. 
you start to really open up to people instead of getting in a shell. Get caught up in their own little uh, myopic world where they're just looking at the thing. Instead of opening their eyes and meeting the locals like you and I would, I think other people won't. They'll just go see the touristy places. Where we would go off the grid, I want to get away from the touristy places and see how people live in those areas. So I'm here with Michelle Mahone. How do, Mikey? And if you haven't already noticed, uh, Michelle is from Boston. Well, yes, South Boston. (laughs) Yes. So I'm from the part of Kentucky that other people from Kentucky make fun of. (laughs) Even when I was a little, little kid, I always wanted to travel and experience other things and places. I used to sit around going, I wonder what they're doing in France right now. (laughs) Right now. I wonder what they're doing. And I opened the window of the plane when we were flying in over Wales. What do you mean you opened the window of the plane? Oh, uh, the, the, the blinder deal. Okay. <laughs> the, the, I rolled the window down. <laughs> I, I busted out air. the window. <laughs> got some air. Got a nice draft. <laughs> and I saw this woman. She was 70 if she was a day. Her eyes couldn't focus. And her husband was helping her walk. I'm telling you, she is probably still hungover. I had a massive fear of water that I've overcome. Oh, you have? Yes. I, I went cliff diving. So I'm being towed in by the neck and the hair and everything else. I was like, that was pretty stupid. But then I was like, that was also pretty adventurous. I kind of like that. <laughs> I land in New York. Did you ask somebody in Manhattan where the Smithsonian is? And I said, can, excuse me, sir. Can you tell me where the Smithsonian is? I mean, yeah, I flew to New York to go to the Smithsonian. I was called Wrong Way Mahone for ages at the network after that. With rare exception, I would go right now. Where are we going? (laughs) Let's go. I have my passport in my purse. I have my passport on me at all times. (laughs) My guest today is Matt Knudsen. Basically, you're working on ships. You're working on ships. I mean, did you see Captain Phillips? Yes. They were merchant marines. They were merchant marines. So there were pirates then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was a big that was a big concern. I remember seeing a container open and, like, wet footprints and the stuff's gone. And you're like, well, at least I didn't get shot in the face. <laughs> oh, my God. There was this channel that was a dock, and right across from it was this burnt-out hotel where snipers were, and they would just take shots at anyone that they could see. That's basically how I did it for like five years after high school. Like it shipping out, backpacking, shipping out, backpacking. Oh, that's awesome. I backpacked Central America for almost three months. It was in Europe for about three months, two and a half, three months. Traveling with my guitar, and if I didn't have anything to do during the day, I'd open my case and play, and you know, people would give you money and like throw a block of hash in your guitar case you just like you know i surf and it was that it was that kind of thing i brought i brought the board and i had my backpack and i would just like hop on a bus and like hey have you heard of this place no and then go to that place like yeah vivid memories of munich is a guy laying in the gutter with his pants like down at his knees and he was urinating straight up into the air and it was falling down on him it looked like the (laughs) saddest fountain i've ever seen in my entire life i always want to say the best years of my life are ahead of me but those are pretty great years (laughs) i was glad to have a worldly perspective at that young age the world is not america Mm. And you don't realize that until you actually get out there. When you travel, whether you like it or not, you are an American diplomat. So be cool. So another great press trip I got to take this year was to Croatia. Hooked up by my friend Ashley Colburn, who was a big TV star over there. She was doing an online uh, TV show for Touristar.tv, all on Croatia and the Dalmatian coast called Legends of Croatia, and they wanted some bloggers there to go with her. So it was really 10 days on the Dalmatian coast in Croatia, and it was a fantastic experience. So thank you again, Ashley, for that. And thanks to Leah and everybody else I met over there at Tourist Star TV. 
And while I was there, I got to talk to some other journalists who were also along for the ride. One was Paul Bradbury, who was an Englishman living in Havar, Croatia, for the past 12 years, and he is Havar's number one blogger. And I also got to meet Alex Robinson, a photographer who splits his time between his native England and Brazil, where his wife is from. Both have led fascinating lives, and it was a pleasure to meet them. So here they are. Paul Bradbury and Alex Robinson recorded live with my little handheld recorder in Croatia. I am here in Croatia with Paul Bradbury. So you're an Englishman and you're living in uh, Havar, Croatia. I'm saying it wrong, aren't I? No, well, Do you pronounce the H at all? I, 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 I still haven't worked it out after 12 years, to be honest. One evening I drunkenly announced that I was going to hitchhiked to South Africa, which was a great joke in the, in, the, in the village pub, and they just felt very sorry for me. <laughs> and then I thought, well, why not? Before I, before I moved to the island at the age of 31, I guess, 31, 32, um, I'd been to 91 countries. I was a chambermaid in Munich in Germany. I was a laser crystals sales rep in uh, Russia. I was a humanitarian aid worker in Rwanda for the genocide in Somalia and in Georgia and Tajikistan. I was an English teacher in Hiroshima in Japan. But it's, it's, it's a different way of life, and uh, you know, Dalmatia is um, a maddeningly frustrating place if you go in with your Western attitudes of you can change it, and this is the, in order to improve things you need to do this, this, this. Because people that don't want change. The secret of success of living in Dalmatia is the following sentence. Don't expect to, to change Dalmatia, but expect Dalmatia to change you. So now we've got this big party coming in. Everybody wants to sort of party on Havar because it's a real celebrity sort of uh, thing. And there's a real clash now between people that want to pre preserve the island for its culture, for its heritage, for its natural beauty, and people just want to come and turn it into the new Ibiza, uh, you know, the next, next clubbing thing. The only, yeah, the, the, the only in-flight movie I ever saw on an internal Aeroflot flight was Airport 77, which is, which is about a plane crash. Yeah. So. I think I'm not, I've been very privileged to have travelled so much, and um, you know I've got some great memories. And uh, I guess it's made me a lot more accepting of different people, different arguments, different different cultures, and so on. Most people get out there and travel. You know, don't believe all the stuff you, you, you read and everything else. You get out there and experience it for yourselves. I'm here with Alex Robinson. I was just determined to get out there and see the world and meet people and enjoy being alive. And if I could do something which was of any benefit to other people along the way, then that would be fantastic too. So I ended up going to India, southern India, to teach trainee nuns English uh, at the age of 17 and a half, all on my own. And I was quivering. And I was literally in a carriage where people were staring at me without blinking for eight hours without a break. Like, what the hell is this thing in front of us? It was amazing. It made me just open my eyes to the possibility that there was another way of looking at the world other than my own. And that's really the story of travel for me. It's showing the world from other people's perspectives and trying, trying to be in their shoes a little bit. And I just felt completely comfortable and at home emotionally in, in Latin America. Yeah. So, yeah, I was. I was kidnapped. And it was a series, you know, the words of Lemony Snicket, it was a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> one of them got in the car next to me, gun against my head, and the other one got back in their car, and they drove me up this dirt road. Matul green, we came carro, which means uh, kill the gringo and burn his car. Well, I had to bribe my way into Tanzania. And he said, sir. And I said, yes. And he said, please don't tell my boss. <laughs> I got robbed in Cairo. Can you show me your ID? So he pulled a gun out and said, here's my ID, now show me yours. <laughs> <laughs> it's taught me that life is astonishing and an astonishing gift. You know, Maybe there's a heaven, maybe there's a life hereafter, but I am here now, and if I don't make the most of it, then what the hell is the point, you know? <laughs> Speaking of press trips, my next press trip for the year was to Vail, Colorado, and I got to climb a 13,000-foot peak called Homestake Peak right outside of Vail. We got to do the climb with llamas, which was kind of interesting. We spent overnight at a cabin on the mountain, and uh, it was a great time. And one of the travel writers I met on that trip was a woman named Laura Kinnery, based out of San Francisco. She's done a ton of travel writing, has written books, 
and I interviewed her in the back of an airport shuttle van. So that's why the auto quality is a little weird, but still had a fun conversation with her. Enjoy. Travel writer extraordinaire, Laura Kinnery. I'm a freelance writer who specializes in travel. When you are persistent and don't listen to the people that tell you that you can't do it, and you live very sparingly for years, it works out. My first real gig was a guidebook to New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Writing the book was the hardest thing I've ever done. I, I wouldn't quite recommend your first professional writing experience or true professional writing experience being writing a 500 page book. I went to Italy. We did restoring ancient frescoes, but we also learned cheese making. We went out in the field with local shepherds. We had just the most amazing week, and then I was invited back by the family to harvest olives with them in November. Basically, the family invited you out to engage in some menial labor. When I took the train from Oregon to San Francisco, I swear that one in three people served time in the car that I was in. In Norway, they thought I was Spanish. In Colombia, as long as I I didn't talk, they thought I was Argentinian. In Italy, they said I looked Spanish. But I literally came off of the plane from Italy into Santiago, Chile, and I asked them for just a local dish, and they sent me to an Italian restaurant. So I, right there, I was (laughs) But the garlic is so strong that he would only let us, if one person ordered the garlic trout, we all had to order the garlic trout, because we would... Otherwise, we'd just all be uncomfortable. (laughs) So we all got it. I mean, the more you travel, the more stories you have, and the more you have to talk about, the more that you can relate to other people around the world and and just, you know, anybody that you meet anywhere. You always have something to talk to them about and and share with them. And I think it's just, uh, it just makes me realize how small the world really is. I'm pretty confident in what I do and, and that I'm good at it and that I enjoy it. And I think that shows. This next segment I'm going to call New Friends and Old Friends. I met a couple of guests this year through former guests and friends of mine. Uh, one of them was a guest named Charmaine Degrete, who I met through a former guest named Pilar Alessandra, who was a screenwriting teacher. And she said, you got to meet uh, my student Charmaine, who is an excellent writer and also loves to travel. So Charmaine came on the show and talked about her recent trips to Mexico and Costa Rica and her uh, former trips to Morocco and other places. Also, uh, we had a guest on named Amy Daniels, who I met through my friend Rhea Chu. And Rhea and Amy had just gotten back from hiking the John Muir Trail in Northern California, and they talked about that. And they also talked about their time hiking to Mount Everest Base Camp. In the old friends department, my friend J. Keith Van Stratton, who was one of our very first guests on this program many years ago, he's been around a lot. He had a busy year of traveling, and he came back and talked about his recent trips to India, Nepal, and Easter Island, and some other places. And finally, uh, Kathy Bianchi, who uh, I've known for many, many, many years, was up visiting from Mexico, where she lives, and talked about uh, what it's like being an American transplant living and building houses in Mexico. So here are Charmaine Degrete, Amy Daniels, Jakey Van Stratton, and Kathy Bianchi. I'm talking to Charmaine Degrete. I love different cultures, and I think that traveling is so important for everyone to do. We've got good news and bad news. You'll either get better or you'll get worse. <laughs> well, I got a 50-50 shot here. A 50/50 Thanks, Doc. Shot. Thank with you so much. All with your medical knowledge. Yeah. I lived in Costa Rica for a while. I went down there. I think you're hiding something here. I what went happened? down there with, uh, he was now my ex-husband. Ah, there. here we go. <laughs> I knew it was something. When they're like oh, looking right. for someone, like some fugitive, they're always down in Costa Rica. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah. Always down in Costa Rica. Kind of made our way down to Strait of Gibraltar, went to like Marbella, and then got this brilliant idea of like, let's go to Morocco. In Marrakesh, yeah. you know, it's... You got dropped off two hours later in another continent, another world. Another planet. And I went up to take a picture, and out of the walls, people just started freaking out. You can't take pictures of people. Oh. Well, I don't like to say bribing. I like to say, What else you know, could it be? It's, you, it's exactly what it is. You come to a mutual agreement. Okay. And... <laughs> I was in Italy for the beatification. I lived in Madrid for uh, a semester when I was in high school. 
I've taken so many years of Spanish. And it wasn't until I was stuck in an airport in Madrid and all of a sudden I realized I was fluent. You know, in Costa Rica, they're great with Spanglish, too. Like, yeah, as long as you speak English with a Spanish accent, I found <laughs> in Costa Rica, you're fine. Right. First of all, I'm terrified to fly. No, I'm fine with flying. I'm not flying with crashing. Let's get that clearer. <laughs> Every day, we kind of ding something, knock something off the car. And she's like, oh, I have insurance. And I'm like, oh. but mom, that's, that's not the purpose of insurance, you know? Yeah. Traveling is probably my favorite thing in the world to do, for sure. Amy Daniel. When I was in middle school, I lived in Hong Kong with my family. That was enough for me to get a travel bug and for me to be really interested in Asia. What is the John Muir Trail? How long is it? How long does it take? It's about 220 miles long, more or less. People go on it and, you know, hike as little as a day or as much as the whole length for a month. You gotta leave nothing behind. Exactly. And gotta, okay. Yep. Does All that include stuff. your? Uh, it you includes know, your number paper, two? but not the number two itself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sort of coming around the bend and seeing how beautiful everything was. I mean, it's just every sort of spot was just breathtaking. So tell me about Everest. It was like we get to base camp and we're like, "What? It's a yeah. giant glacier, and you can't even see that. You can't even see Everest. You're on Everest, but it's sort of behind another mountain." Literally every step we took, we were like, just stop, look around. Yeah. It is so gorgeous. And that, I think, was one of, right. if not the best trip I've ever taken. I was in the Peace Corps. My training was in Ukraine. I was an English teacher, and but I was sent to Sevastopol, which is the southernmost city in Crimea, which is now oh. Russia. It doesn't surprise me that things have sort of bubbled to the surface and gotten to where they are. It's very sad, um, but it's not entirely surprising. One of the craziest places I've been to is North Korea. I went four times. Four times yeah. in North Korea? Yeah. To try and picture what would happen if sort of the government decided, you know what, we're going to open up. Because I, I bet you overnight it would be different. When they read the news, they would actually stick the newspaper on the screen and just read off of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good programming. It was so funny that all the English literature was full of propaganda. And of any little yeah. thing from like a calculator to like a nuclear warhead was invented by Kim Jong-il. It was just hilarious. I think okay. I would go anywhere. And I think it's just, if, there, if there's something to see in that country, I'll go. Jay Keith Van Stratton, how are you? I believe this year I will have traveled more miles and places than any other year so far. Actually, I went to Alaska twice in, in a day and a half. I had to find a doctor in Ibiza uh, who came on his moped with his police vest and <laughs> slathered sauce on my foot. Yeah. And, you know, I had a makeshift cast and, and that whole thing. So that was fun coming home on a, on a cane. You're driving from the airport and every billboard is the same as you would see like going to Las Vegas. Just, you know, advertising all the DJs and the pool parties and all that. And I was like, oh. I, I honestly didn't know that was Ibiza's reputation. And then I got How there and know I just, I've not been following Justin Bieber closely <laughs> enough, I guess. Kathmandu, is that very touristy too? Bad part is that it, it's just relentless, you know. Sir, sir, come to my store, come to my store. Hey, my friend. Yes, my friend. Yeah, my friend. You, you, you don't have to buy you something. You look around. If you see it, you know, it's like, yeah, I know how a store works. Um, <laughs> Varanasi is just... It just feels like just too much, just too many people want to be there for too many reasons. And, you know, you're right along the Ganges, and you see people bathing in it. and bathing in it. And, then, and it is the filthiest river. And then a river. few meters down, uh, literally uh, burning a body and putting it into the, uh, oh. into the water. And then, like, you know, let a cow rotting, you know, somewhere down there. And at the same time, it's gorgeous. It's just too much humanity. Too much. I would not dissuade someone from going there. Uh, I think it was a great place to visit. It's just, it's just you really have to be prepared. You know, it's really nice to be in someone's home and have someone, you know, have like a real local tell you where to go. And um, that part's that part's been really fun. I'd say maybe four or five of the trips I went on this year happened because I put on Facebook, hey, there's a good deal to so-and-so who wants to go. And then someone responded. It's fun to share that with people. And then obviously it's more, for me, it's more fun going with people than uh, solo. Talking to Kathy Bianchi. My life is a series of amazing accidents. Most normal women will be a sucker for sale, like for a new coat they see on sale. So they just can't pass it up. I kind of have this problem with houses where I just see a bargain <laughs> yeah. and I can't pass it up. 
<laughs> and I remember you saying it was going to take, oh, this will be like six months yeah, to six a year. Yeah, six months to a year. How long yeah. did it take? Two, Two years. years. Now, what did you learn first and foremost about the Mexican uh, construction business? The, the, the two words you fear most are, don't worry, yeah. don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what happens in, sadly, all around Mexico is that uh, a lot of people, the big hotel owners and club owners, were making loads of money and they don't want to put anything back in the business. It goes all in their pocket. So the hotels so, got run down. Yeah, and th- quite frankly, a lot of them. I mean, we have some amazing hotels here, but eighty percent of the hotels are crap. crap and run down. And it's like put a coat of paint on the walls for God's sake. Mexicans don't want to let you down. They don't want to say no. So getting a Mexican to say yes to pretty much anything is easy. Is really easy. It's getting them to follow through. So you know we don't want to hurt your feelings. So therefore, we're just going to say yes. If they say, oh, great, dinner's at 7, I'd say, okay, you're talking. Now, is that an American 7? Exactly. Or is so it... is it really at 7? Because if you if you really want me there at 9.30, tell me 9.30. Because I'll be there at 7 if you might still be in your pajamas. So I guessed at what the word embarrassed was. And I said, embarazada, which means pregnant. <laughs> so he looked at me and he said, oh, and he makes this move like, with his hand. Like, oh, so you're pregnant. I'm like, No. <laughs> What advice can you give people who are thinking about doing this? Do it. That's my advice. Okay. Give up whatever fear you have and just do it. And there you have it. Chats with friends new and old. My apologies right now to some people I didn't get to on this show. There were the last four guests that we've had in the year. It was Gretchen, the flight attendant, who got a great response from people. There was Yoshi Obayashi, who talked about his time growing up in Asia and then moving to America as a child and his travels around the world. There was Robert Peters talking about his uh, time spent in his favorite place in the world, Thailand. He's an actor and director. You would know if you see him. Go to the website. You can see him there. And, of course, Leslie Nagy, who has uh, got a dream job as a travel representative for TravelZoo.com. So she's got a great gig. And uh, so they were just a part of the people that when I stopped doing those teasers, they got lost in there. So doesn't mean their episodes are any worse than the others. They're all awesome. Some people in the earlier of the year that I didn't get to are Amzi Hernandez, a young man who took his first backpacking trip through Europe. There was Matt Harris, who talked about his time spent going to high school in Singapore, which was a real fun episode. And then there was Phyllis Katz, who traveled all the way to India to get a hip replacement surgery. So there's a lot of talk there about our healthcare system and what it means as we all get older. And boy, if you need some work done and you can't afford it in America, that's a great episode to listen to. That's Phyllis Katz. And again, these are all great episodes in their own right. I just didn't make video trailers for them, so I didn't have the audio clips pulled right now. Doesn't mean you shouldn't go check them out. So like I said, it's been a great year of travel for me, but I haven't mentioned yet the two last trips I took, which were to Ireland and to Florida. Florida was just uh, going down to see in the family for Thanksgiving just for four days, and that wasn't anything spectacular. But nevertheless, family is always important. And as I get older, I see just how much that's true. And when it comes to family, I I couldn't really top the trip I took in October to Ireland. I took my mom on her dream trip to Ireland. She had mentioned earlier, I don't know, a couple of years ago, that she's been wanting to go to Ireland for forever. And I couldn't believe she has never been there because half her family is from Ireland. And she had been to Scotland and she'd been to England and she'd been around it, but never to Ireland. And I had been once before and I told her that I would take her one day and I got to do that now. And you can't wait too long on this stuff because, you know, traveling can be hard. And my mom needs a new knee, and she was getting around slowly, but um, she held up really well. We flew into Dublin, rented a car, and basically I drove Miss Daisy <laughs> around Ireland. A big, we did a whole lap around Ireland, basically, and we saw all the, the top spots, Cliffs of Moher, the Ring of Kerry. We went up north into Northern Ireland and saw the Giant's Causeway, Belfast, and then ended up back in Dublin again. And before I left, I had thoughts of maybe taping this for a video project or interviewing her or whatever. And uh, if this was the movie version of the trip, starring Seth Rogen and Barbra Streisand, (laughs) uh, somewhere along the line, we would have dug up all our old issues and uh, hashed them out and become closer by the end of the movie for it and by the end of the trip. And sure, there was thoughts of that, that my mom and I were going to have a big breakthrough 
in our relationship going on this trip. But uh, you know what? My family just doesn't operate that way. And about a few days into it, I had thought about maybe talking about things and digging up old stuff. And then I said, wait a minute. This could go really badly. And this could upset her. This could upset me. And why do this? And then I'm going to have to be in the car with her for the next week. This could go really badly. And uh, why not just let it go? Have a good time. Basically, we would drive around all day. We would listen to music. Uh, thank God the rental car could play my iPod. And we listened to podcasts even and talked a little bit. And at the end of the day, we'd have dinner. Mom would go up to the room and sleep. And I'd go down to the pub and have a couple pints and check my email on the Wi-Fi. It was all good. And though we're not close, we managed to stay together for 12 days without much incident. We got along and she had a great time. And I was really, really happy I could do that for her. So if your parents can still get around and there's some place you want to go, I recommend taking the time. Don't wait and do it now. Sure, I had a good time, but it was more about my mom and her having a good time. And she assured me that she had a wonderful time. So that was the best gift I could give to her. And it made me feel great. So finally, I could use my travel skills to give back to uh, someone I really care about. And I could use my frequent flyer miles on someone I really cared about. So work those mileage programs, people. Me paying for her flight was made possible through the good folks at the American Airlines Advantage program. (laughs) Work the system, folks. They're making it harder on us to use miles, but uh, you can still work the system. And in this case, I got a lot out of it. And so did my mom. So there you go. A great year of travel. Thank you all for listening. I'm going to do an old school road trip now. I'm going to drive up to Mammoth and do some skiing over to San Francisco and then back down again. A lot of driving, but hey, gas is cheap right now. How about that? Take advantage of it while you can, I say. And please have a happy, healthy holiday season. Have safe travels. Pack lightly. Wear layers. Accrue those miles. And let's start planning for a great 2015. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm a traveling man Made a lot of stops All over the world And in every port I own the heart Of at least one lovely girl I have a pretty senorita Waiting for me Down in old Mexico 